Turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. I'm telling you, I I pray that all of you journey with me for the next four Sundays in this series because we're going to build. Today is is more like a, uh, let's go about 10,000 feet in the air and kind of look at this. And then next Sunday, we're going to like hone in and just dissect this. And I'm telling you, we're going to have an illustrated message up here. And I'm I'm just believing that it'll blow you away. If not, y'all can at least pretend it does. Amen? I love this verse. I'm teaching this verse in our uh, Awakened class at 9 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall because this is the epitome of really the change that you make in your Christian walk to say, okay, I'm tired of being a babe in Christ. I'm tired of being a, a carnal Christian. I'm ready to make that journey as a disciple, as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and to, to give it my all. Because Romans chapter 12 verse 1 through 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So he takes care of that, and then he says basically how we walk it out. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many of you in this room have given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Okay. Now this is to see if you're really a Christian. How many? Because either you're going to lie or you're going to tell the truth. How many of you often wonder, why do I still struggle in my walk with Christ? Those of you that didn't raise your hand, obviously you're theologians, and welcome to Northfield Church. Hopefully I do a good job. Let's pray. Father, we all have struggles. There are things that we do on a weekly basis, monthly basis, or yearly basis that grieves the Spirit of God. But we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your instruction of how to live the Christian life. Because we just read the words of the Apostle Paul to the Roman church. And Father God, we know that the Holy Spirit pens these words. That not only will they have a clear and abiding understanding of Christianity, but that we too will have a clear, abiding understanding of Christianity. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Paul was not only challenging the Roman church how to live a life as a believer, but the Holy Spirit penned these words through the Apostle Paul that when we read them, he is challenging us of how to live the life as a believer. Now, what's interesting to me, and sometimes it's hard to see, but implied in these verses are three of the seven components of the composition of man. There are seven components of the composition of man, but this one really addresses three that I want to look at today because Paul addresses the body, he addresses the spirit, and he addresses the mind. So actually when he says, I urge you brothers and sisters... Some texts just say brothers. He's really not saying gender here. What he's implying here is position. 
that our position is we have union in Jesus Christ. He, he's uh, uh, implying the position that we're all believers. And in order to be a born-again believer, that is addressing the Spirit. Because when you become a born-again believer, you awaken spiritually. Are you with me? Then he says, offer your body. So he's dealing with the body, of course. And then he goes on saying, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he addresses the mind. Now, what is the mind? The mind, of course, we all know is the place of our inward mental attitude. It's the place that on a daily basis you think. You reflect on certain ideas and concepts. You understand philosophies and ideologies through the mind. The mind then becomes the place of how you see life. Your perception of life may be different than my perception of life and may we live in two totally different realities simply because of your mind. But the the reason that there can be so many different realities in this room is we have to all understand is the mind has been affected by sin. The mind has been affected by the programming of the world. Matter of fact, if I could take my mind and take it out and then put another mind in my head, I would be a completely different person, even though I still look like Kylie. So not only are you limited by the material world, but you're also being limited in your life by the immaterial part of you. And that's why the Bible says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Everybody say that with me. For as he thinketh in his heart... So is he. Now, if we really, really believe that verse, your prayer should be, Lord, help me to think right. If you really believe that verse, you would say, Lord, help me to think right, and then you would analyze your friendships, and you would start forming relationships, and you would start hanging around people that actually challenge the way that you think. That actually begin to challenge your perspectives on life. Are you with me? So as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Because that's how we view life. But the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that means, if you want your world to change, you need to change your mind. If you're having problems in your marriage, and you want that to change, you need to change this noodle up here. Are you with me? If you're struggling in life and you want that to change, then you must change your mind. Even the prodigal son, he wanted to change his world when he was in the hog pen. He didn't like his world in the hog pen. But in order to change his world, he first had to change his mind. That's why the Bible says he came to his senses. He came into his right mind and he finally looked at his world and said, Oh my goodness, my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am eating and starving to death in a pig pen. So in order to change his world, he changed his mind and the prodigal son rose up. And some of us in here need to rise up. Because when he rose up in his mind, he went in the direction of his thinking. And for some of you in here, when your thinking is down, you go down. When your thinking is up, you go up. 
Because I'm a firm believer that you'll always travel in the direction of your thinking. Think about it. The way that you think about the situation that you're in right now determines your reality. Are you hearing me? The way that you think about your marriage right now will determine your reality. The way that you think about your family right now will determine your reality. Bring it on home the way that you think about yourself right now will determine your reality. And that's why Joyce Meyer made millions on the book about the battlefield of the mind. It's because the battlefield of the mind is there and Satan is always trying to bring down your mind. And that's why the Bible says do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So understand today when you leave here, understand when you wake up Monday morning, you will be presented with options after options. And it's up to you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ to either conform or to transform. You either take on the shape of your environment or you resist it and you transform by the leading of the Word of God. Are you with me? So if I have options, then therefore I make decisions. Decisions are powerful. Because everything that you decided in life or everything that you changed in your life, where did it start? In your mind. Started in your mind. If you went to college and got a degree, it's because you woke up one day and you decided, I want to go to college. And you started heading in that direction based on the decision that you made. If you want to lose weight, you have a decision. Either I can get in line at the haagen line or I can get on the keto diet just like Pastor Kylie. And his look is pretty as him. Hey, I can't stick nothing out anymore. Well, if I tried. But anyway, it all starts in your mind. I'm going to make this a priority in my life. So understand daily, we're presented with options and then you make the decision. Do I conform or do I transform? Because it all starts in the mind. Now, what you've got to understand is this. As when we are born again, we are recreated in our spirit. Somebody say spirit. So my spirit is born again. I have a new life, and that new life is so real that right this moment, I have eternal life right now. I am immortal. I tell you as many times as I can, all of us in here are superheroes. Try to kill us, and we're going to keep on living. Because when I die, I just transfer from this body to a brand new body. Because my spirit has eternal life. So I have eternal life in my spirit, but I do not have eternal life in my body. That's why I get fat. That's why I sport the gray hair. That's why I'm getting wrinkles. Because my body has not yet been redeemed. That's why the Bible says that the redemption of our body is our blessed hope. 
So every day I wake up and I look in the mirror and my wrinkle says, I am hoping to be delivered. And I look at that wrinkle too and go, I I pray that it is too. So my spirit is delivered. My body hopes to be delivered. But you want to know why all of y'all are so crazy? Yeah, I called you crazy. It's because your mind has not yet been delivered. Oh, I know you think it has. And, and, and maybe one day my mind will actually be delivered. But I can stand up here as your pastor and tell you that I'm not finished yet. And I know I'm the only one in here whose mind hasn't finished yet. So if you could do me a favor and pray for me and one day I'll be just like you, okay? But here's the problem, y'all. My mind, I'm telling you, it will have some of the craziest thoughts at some of the most inopportune times of my life. And I'm actually thankful today that there are not wires hooked up to my mind where Andy can play what I'm thinking right now over the loudspeaker. Because if they could play in my mind what I'm thinking right now, I wouldn't be eligible to be y'all's pastor. Half the time I wouldn't be eligible to be a husband, nor even eligible to be a father. Because sometimes my mind just thinks of weird stuff. I can think of the most unregenerated stuff that you have ever heard. Now, now here's the great part. I don't think it all the time. But I can't schedule it either. <laughs> I mean, that stuff just pops in there. I don't know when it's going to break out. I don't know how it's going to break out. I mean, we could be right in the middle of a communion service. And shoo, things just zoom in my head. And, and it's great. How many of you can be real in this place and say you have the same problem too? Okay, thanks. Lord, I'm not the only nut in the room. <laughs> Do y'all remember RoboCop? Show the screen. You know, he, he had this view. And, and in that view, he had like all of these directives that he could take, all these options that he could take. Do I kill him? Do I shoot him? Do I just hit him in the leg? Do I arrest him? Do I let him go? Do, am I nice to him? Every day. I feel like RoboCop because my mind gives me all of these options. Here y'all can be talking to me and I can be doing like this. And I'm thinking 432 different things that I could say to you. And what I have to do, given these options, is to make a decision. Do I say the godly thing? Or do I just tell you how I think? And nine times out of ten, I usually try to go with the godly thing. But look at somebody and say, God ain't through with me yet. Here's the deal. <laughs> All of us shouldn't count on one another to respond the way that you want me to respond. Because there are times I might choose option C... When I should have chose option D because my mind ain't 
delivered yet. And I can tell you, some of you choose the wrong option because I watch your bannering back and forth on Facebook and I'm like, Lord, help deliver their mind. They ain't choosing the right option. But understand your spirit, it's on one frequency. And it stays on that frequency every day. It is on the God channel. And y'all are tuned in in your spirit on the God channel, but your mind is on a satellite system. And it's got 250 channels playing on 24 uh, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and your mind is on high definition. And none of you at any given moment can even pick which satellite channel your mind is going to pick and answer with. Are you hearing me? But the funny part to me with Christians today, and and y'all are awesome because you've overcome so many things. I've journeyed with you for almost seven years now, and I watched you overcome some of the most insurmountable obstacles and trials and tribulations of your life. And, 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 and I watched you overcome them, and I'm like, you know, many people that would go through what you would go through would be doing underwater basket weaving right now, and they would be up on the fifth floor in the fetal position wetting themselves, but you came through it. You didn't break down. You survived. You fought the lion. You fought the bear. But then one day you get bitten by a little bitty ant. And your mind goes crazy. A little bitty thing comes up and bites you. And you react in a way that is ungodly. And it's amazing how we as believers can overcome things that we thought we would never overcome. And then we get hung up over a hangnail. And my life is falling apart. So that's why the Bible says, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Because the littlest things get us. And we can be overthrown as believers by the little things in our life. Why? Because we're still wrestling every day with the notion of conforming Or transforming. Because what you have to understand is redemption. Redemption is a big theological term for basically I'm born again. Redemption did not fix your mind. We are being transformed in our minds. Matter of fact, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8. Let's let's just take a look at something. If you don't have a Bible, we got a big one on the screen. Everybody with me? Everybody okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Let's just go through this. This really proves my point about the spirit, mind, and body. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, talking to Christians, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. Now, look at, look at the trouble. We were under great pressure. Have anybody in here been under pressure? Nobody? Okay. But sometimes, excuse me, far beyond our ability to endure. The pressure was so great, look at that, that we despaired of life itself. Some of you have overcome the pressures of life. It never killed you, but I bet you there were times under the pressure 
that you were just asking God, put me out of my misery because of the threat of the pressure on my life. That's where they were. Then the verse goes on to say, Indeed, we felt we have received the sentence of death. Watch this. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Do you see that? We might not rely on ourselves. And some of you are always saying, well, Pastor, I just don't trust that person. I don't trust this person. I don't trust that person. You know, the person you shouldn't trust is you. According to Scripture, we should not trust in us. Paul said that we might not trust in ourselves. And then verse 10, watch this. Here it is. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. He will deliver us again. On whom we are set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. And that 10th verse proves the point that he has saved me. He is still saving me. And one day he shall save me. My spirit is redeemed. I am alive and have eternal life. But my crazy mind, I'm still working on it. And my body is just sitting there crying out for the blessed hope. So bottom line, your mind ain't saved and don't you ever trust it. Are you hearing me? And then don't you come after believers when their mind goes crazy on you. Are you hearing me? Because it takes a lifetime to master your own stinking devils. And we haven't mastered them yet. See, what we, what we like to do as Christians is we like to talk about the things we master. Oh, yeah, I nipped this in the bud, Pastor. It ain't got nothing over me no more. But we don't get up here on stage and go, you know what, I'm struggling with this. I got this problem. I got this crazy mind. This happens, that happens. And truth be told, All of us in here struggle with one or four things. All of us in here struggle with a temper where you just got anger issues and you get mad at everything. You get mad at the train when it comes by. You you, you throw a tantrum fit. Adults acting like little babies. You got a tongue, which means sometimes you pop off at people with your tongue. And then some of you got a temptation that you keep fighting Every day. Matter of fact, I think... Can I just get off track here for a second? I think the mystery of marriage is to come into the understanding and to realize the crazy that you married. Are you hearing me? For all you young people, that's the mystery of marriage. You get married, and the whole time you're married to them, you just come to the understanding that I married crazy. And then here's the deal. You, got, you have kids, right? They're all pretty and cute. Especially the little baby in the back that Leslie's holding them, and her hair's going, pa-cha-cha. And you just want to eat her up. But give her some time, and that hair's going to be all funky in her teen years. And stuff starts jumping out. And you'd be like, honey, where's this stuff coming from? Let me tell you where it's coming from. It's coming from you. They learned it from you. They inherited crazy. And then we're at the dinner table going, we are family. All my crazy sisters and me. Come on. We are family. 
all my crazy kin folks and me. Right? And then the pastor gets up here and says, do not be unbiblically yoked, which is biblical, but the implication behind that is when you marry somebody saved, you also marry somebody sane, but when you marry them, you find out they're crazy. Now, I know you can't look at me and do like this, but just wink at me or something, all right? Because you're sitting next to crazy. So, so, so here's the question. Pastor, if I'm saved in my spirit and I'm limited in my mind, what's going on? Y'all really want to know? Get ready for this because we're going to go deep. You ready to go deep? It is a battle between Romans 12, 1, 2, which means I'm going to go to spiritual maturity. So it's spiritual maturity versus culture. Let's dive into that. When I say culture, I think what we got to understand is there are certain things that affect you. There are certain things that affect your culture. Okay, there are generational perspectives. For example, how many of you wear your baseball caps and, and you kind of shape it in like a little U? Is that the right way? All right, some of these jokers just leave it flat. All right, they, or they pop it up, okay? Now, I don't know which one's right and which one's wrong because I don't really care, all right? I wear mine off to the side and back and whatever. But see, some of us, generationally, we bend it, and now some generations, because of their perspective, they just flatten it out. I, some of you young people, would you just inform me why you do that? Is it, is it because of uh, some rap singer or something? Okay, probably. There we go. So then, then, you have, then you have family perspective. Family perspective adds a whole new dimension. For example, if you come from a family of uh, fighters... <laughs> You're going to usually grow up to be a fighter. And I ain't talking about boxing. I'm talking about you just want to fight somebody. Maybe you grew up in, in a family of opinionated people. So, so now you've got an opinion about everything. you even got an opinion about how you wear your hat. All right? Some of you grew up with a, a family of workaholics. All right, now I got to be careful of this because I'm a workaholic and then I see my little buddy. He, he always wants to work. So he's getting a family perspective of that you work. All right, which is a good perspective, but I don't want it to be overbearing. Some of you come from a family of overbearing women, and, and the men just walk around going, Yes, honey, <laughs> I'm whooped. <laughs> right? Am I right? All right, tell me when I'm wrong. And for all you men that... <laughs> I, I'm praying for you, okay? Really am. Really praying for you. All right, we got to reel this baby back in. <laughs> Come on, women, stay with me. But bottom line, here's the deal, is, is all of these things can affect culture, but you have to understand, culture never really had anything to do with generations. It never had anything to do with family, and it never really had anything to do with community, because it actually started out with plants. Back in the 1700s, they used this word to describe plants, and that's where we get our term today, horticulture. That's where we get our term today, uh, agriculture. 
Because watch this, culture originally was the external things that influenced the development of the plant. So if I changed external things, I could change the plant. External things would be sun and light and minerals and fertilizer. Every external thing determined how that plant grew. Now stay with me. Because what you got to understand is you're just like a plant. You are shaped by a lot of external contributing factors. And all of those factors from birth until now had everything to do with your definition of I love you. When I say I love you, it may be different from your interpretation of when you say I love you. Because two of us can say the same thing and mean something totally different because we all grew up in a different garden. Are you with me? So that is why being saved in our spirit is only limited and we're not saved in our mind. So at the end of the day, it does come down. When I look at Romans 12, 1 through 2, I have an option. I can either make the decision and go this way to become a spiritually mature believer and offer my body as a living sacrifice, not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And I, I resist all of this external stuff, or I have the option and I just conform to the world and become a carnal Christian and I look the same as everybody else. Are you with me? Are you hearing me? So stay with me. we got to understand this. So if spiritual growth and culture is really on trial, what we have to understand is we come to the altar, we give our life to the Christ, immediately we become a Christian. But you are still affected by the externals that fed you all of your life and have developed your thought pattern until now. Do you get that? Okay, so that's why Paul says, therefore I urge you first and foremost, I urge you brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Bottom line, you don't need to rationalize and you don't need to reason with your flesh. You have one option. And that option, say it with me, is to kill it. And that's hard for you to do. Your flesh has got to die. Your flesh will never stop screaming for things that are sin. Your flesh will never get over sin. So daily, I've got, say it with me, to So that's first. When I make a decision to kill my flesh, I am making a decision to be spiritually mature. Now, how do I become spiritually mature? So glad you asked. That's why he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, your culture, what has affected you, what has influenced you, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I, I love our old folks. But when they read, do not conform to the pattern of this world, when they read, not conforming to the world, you know what they're thinking? Don't you go to no picture show. That's what the devil. I can't believe they played Elvis in church. Hell, me, they mother of God. Help me, Jesus, you know. They thought, you dress like the world, girl. You need to pull up or pull down them booty shorts. You so worldly. Do not conform to this world. So what did my mama do? My mama wore a dress down to her ankles. Because we grew up in the holiness movement that you don't conform to the world. But what they didn't get is they may have wore them dresses down to their ankles, but it didn't change their behavior. And because it didn't change their behavior, some of them old saints realized that dresses do go up. Oh, you'll get it on the way home. Dresses do go up because they, they, oh Lord, they wore them down to their ankles, but their behavior didn't change and they jumped in the sack. Are you hearing me? So understand, not being conformed to the world is not about externals. It's about your mentality. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be renewed by the transforming of your mind. Not the renewing of your clothing. Not throw out all your Elvis CDs. All right. So what, what happens is, is we have all these signals coming in. And we either conform to them or we say, stop. And we transform it to the renewing of God's mind. Now let's take this deeper. Because what God did is God said to Moses in the book of Exodus, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. So Moses went down and told Pharaoh, I am sent me, you better let my people go. So they escaped Egypt, and Egypt is a, 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 a symbolic of the world, it's symbolic of sin, it's symbolic of carnality, whatever you want to put in there, uh, put it in there. But they came out of Egypt, how? By the blood. We all came out of sin, how? By the blood. They got away. But later on in their walk... They discovered Pharaoh's gone, but my cultural influence still lingers in my life. So look at Numbers 11.5. Numbers 11.5 says this. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Cucumbers, melons, leeks, some onions, and garlic. So their culture influenced and it lingered and because of the influence of their culture it affected their taste buds. They were redeemed by the blood but their taste buds weren't redeemed. You may be saved but some of you got a little taste for certain things 
which you follow those things which are not in here, and it is a direct influence of the years of you being exposed to a cuisine from your past. Are you hearing me? Those of you that are new, we only preach the truth in here, and we want to see people better and transformed. Amen? See, the enemy didn't just corrupt your taste buds. He didn't just get Adam to sin, so now all of us have the sin nature at birth. But what Satan has been working on all of your life that you don't even realize is that Satan has been controlling what you think tastes good. So if you really want to know all the tempers and the tantrums and the tongues and the temptations, why they keep popping up in your life, what you need to do this week is you need to take daddy out to eat. You need to take mama out to eat. If your grandpappy and your grandmammy is still living, take them out to eat and go, Mama, why am I like the way that I am? Because your family, generation after generation, the enemy has kept things in that generation that it affected you. And I'm telling you, church, it is your opportunity to rise up out of that and change your family, change yourself, change this city so we can change the world. Are you hearing me this morning? It didn't start with you. That tongue, that temper, that tantrum, that temptation, that, look, let's take it on further, that fear, that insecurity, that depression, it did not start with you. The enemy has been grooming this perspective for a long time. And it's your opportunity to resist it. Or you can conform to it. Because the Israelites were delivered from Pharaoh. But what were they doing? They were still conforming to their culture, the culture of the Egyptians. They thought they were delivered from the culture, but obviously, according to numbers, it still permeated their opinion. It still permeated their thought life. Can I go a little bit deeper? Suddenly you begin to understand that what you like and don't like is really not determined by you. What the Bible is saying, either you conform to your tendencies, the temper, the tantrum, the temptation, or the tongue, or you transform by the renewing of your mind. Because when you expose yourself to something better for you, which this teaches you how to have a better life, how to have a better family, how to be better... When you transform, you're going with the better, even though sometimes you don't think it tastes good to you. Because Lord knows we would like to pop off at the mouth and tell that person what to think. And having to love them don't taste too good right now. Because they hurt me. Because they did me wrong. So I'm just going to pop off at the tongue. You see what I'm saying? We either conform or we transform. And what you have to realize is redemption didn't fix your mind. The blood didn't save your taste buds. 
The blood was applied to the doorposts for the Egyptians. But we read later on because of culture, they still like leeks and onions and garlic. And I guess the question right now is in your Christian walk, what do you still like that God doesn't like? What do you still do that God wouldn't do? How do you still act that God would never act that way? See, last week we talked about the mountaintop and valley mentality. Watch this. Moses went up to the mountaintop. He went deeper with God. For 40 days he saw the face of God and he came back down to a bunch of valley mentality believers. And what were they doing? They were dancing naked around a golden calf. Moses goes up to Aaron. And Aaron says, Moses, I, you know, I, uh, uh, see, see what had happened was, is um, uh, I told them, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, whoever has any gold jewelry, uh, just, just bring it to me. And, and you know, they brought it. <laughs> I mean, it was the best tithe we ever had in our life. And, and I, I took the gold and I threw it in the fire. And Moses, see, what, what, what had happened is, is this calf jumped out of the fire. Somebody say jumped out. See, that statement when Moses said, I don't know what happened. I mean, the calf just jumped out. That's the confusion of your Christian walk. Honey, I don't know what happened. That that thought just popped out. I really don't hate you. I love you. Are you hearing me? I was walking along. I mean, I just got through reading my devotion. And I mean, I prayed and the the power of God came down. And then, then I went in the Walmart line. And I don't know what happened. It just jumped out. So the question is, is did the fire make the calf? Or did the calf form because they were conforming to their culture? The fire didn't make the calf. They were conforming to their culture. What was the culture? The Egyptians worshipped cows. They worshipped cows, golden cows. They were delivered from Egypt, but in their mind, what God looked like was based on their culture. So here's Moses on the mountaintop. Now watch this. He is on the mountaintop going deeper, worshipping the invisible God Worshipping Yahweh and the people down with valley mentality are worshipping their version of God. Which was influenced by their perception. So I would tell you that everyone that comes to this church or everyone that comes to any church in the panhandle is not having the same experience. Some Christians have followed Romans 12, 1 through 2, and they're conform- are transforming their life. They're going deeper. They're going on that mountaintop. Some Christians are fine with a fire insurance. They're not conforming their mind, and they're becoming carnal Christians. 
They're being influenced by culture. They're being influenced by ideology. They're being influenced by CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, their Facebook posts, whatever. They're, they're reading. They're being influenced by these things. And some of us are worshiping from a deeper place. And some people are worshiping from valley mentality. So the house is filled with worship, but we're not all worshiping the same thing. Because some people that are going deeper are worshiping in spirit and in truth. And some people are worshiping from their cultural context of how they picture God. And it's all influenced by their background and their culture. Are you hearing me? As the musicians come, I'll go a little bit deeper and I'll close. And I want to encourage you to come back next Sunday. Because we're going to hone in on family perspective and see how that can influence your life. So we said, here's where the calf came from. Not the fire, but culture. We're saying right now that it's either spiritual growth. I, I, I transform and go to spiritual growth. Or I come conform to my culture. The question is, is where does your God come from? Where does your theology come from? Does it come from what you believe the Bible says? What you've heard on, on Facebook of some really cool guy that took a scripture and twisted it and really didn't mean that? I guess the question is, is, is what cow is just jumping out in your life? The cow of the temper. Here comes that cow, a little tantrum again. Here comes that cow, my tongue's going crazy again. Here comes that cow, I'm giving in to that temptation again. Looking at pornography again. I'm flirting with a co-worker again. Here this cow keeps popping up. How does this cow keep popping up in my life? It didn't come from the fire. Baby, it came out of your head came out of your head put the fire out all you want but you'll never kill the cow this church ain't doing nothing for me I ain't changed one bit since I've been here matter of fact I got worse I'm going to a different church okay my husband is going to change spouses city ain't got nothing for me I just pick up and move change churches change spouses change cities but you're only putting out a fire you're not killing the cow from within and see what Sunday morning is all about all the new folks in this place today what Sunday morning is about it's a cow killing service when we worship When we receive the word, you know what I should be smelling? I should be smelling ribeye. Why? Because somebody just killed a cow. I said somebody just killed a cow. Cows have got to die. Because if you don't kill the cow in your mind, it's going to kill you. And it's going to kill everything connected to you. If you don't kill the cow, it's going to stop the blessing trying to come over your life. 
The cow has got to die. And I'm telling you, Sunday morning should be a cookout where we smell what God's got cooking. Amen? For those of you that still don't understand, the cow is the residual from your background. The cow is the residual from your history. Let's really give you an image. Let's go deep. The cow is the lingering mist of film that is left on the mirror from the steam of your daddy. And it's affecting your life. The cow is your background that's affecting your circumstance, that's given you a warped perspective, and it has left a stain on your life. Satan can't stop you from being saved, but he can leave a dent in your mind, and it'll affect you for the rest of your life. Do not conform to the pattern or the culture of this world. Of this world, of this world, that that is such a nebulous, ambiguous statement. What distinct does that even mean? Because really the world's not killing you. It's your world that's killing you. It's what you've made your world to be that's killing you. It is your world that keeps giving you trouble. It is your understanding of your world that's bringing you down. So today you need to leave here analyzing what is my world? What are all the contributing factors that have formed my culture? Because my culture conforms the way that I think. And here I am wanting to eat this nasty leek, onion, and garlic. And really it's only nasty because of how you think. Paul says kill the cow. How do I kill the cow? Transformed by the renewing of my mind. What do you have a taste for? What makes you happy? Because if you change that definition, you'll change your reality. Kill the cow, baby. Because if you don't kill the cow, it's going to kill you. Let me go a little deeper and I'll close. If culture, we're going to dive into this a little bit more next week, informs the context of what I have a taste for. If I start changing my culture, change me so how do I change my culture I feed I fertilize I feed and I fertilize watch what's feeding you church watch what you're planting inside of you some of you watch 450 different people on TV that are evangelists and you're so confused you don't even know which way is going up and going down and going sideways Find out who feeds you and get up under that person and just feed. And I'm not saying just only one person, but biblical, Bible teaching, pastors, and TV people that are feeding you. What fertilizes you? We have many opportunities in this church to fertilize you with good seed. What are you allowing to shine down on you? 
What are you drawing from to water your spirit? Because if you can change how you feed, you can change how you think. And if you can change how you think, you can change your world. Whatever you use to feed on, it will grow in your life. So I hate to be an old-timey pastor. But if you're feeding on worldly things, then your world is going to look very carnal. But if you're feeding on spiritual things, you're going to have the spiritual life that God desires for your life. Because whatever you're feeding on, that's what's growing in you. Now, some of you can look at me and walk out here and say, well, that pastor, he's just, he mind over matter. That's what he is. He's just a positive thinking pastor. No, because positive thinking limits it to mental. But for us, regeneration starts in the Spirit. And then we have the power of the Holy Spirit that has regenerated us and give us a hunger things to give us the power to overcome. But this is where Christians missed it. You may hunger for spiritual things, but look at me. Wake up. Transformation is your thing. Renewing your mind, that's up to you. And if you want to live a crazy life, have a crazy spouse, have a crazy marriage, and have a bunch of crazy kids, that's your option. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, and we're going to do everything we can to be blessed. God has given you new life, church. But feeding that new life is your responsibility, and you determine the direction you go. Stand with me all over this place. every head bowed and every eye closed how many of you in here would say pastor I'm a Christian and I've faced a temper maybe I'm facing right now a tantrum I got that tongue (laughs) Lord have mercy and then you know what I do I just tell everybody that's just the way I am (laughs) get over it I'm facing temptation right now. If that's you, you're a Christian. You say, I'm facing one of those four. Would you raise your hand right now? Amen. Everybody looking at me. Those of you in this room, you've got an option. You walked in here today, I don't know why. But I know God's got a plan for you. And the plan is to be reunited with your Father. Not to a church. Yes, you you come into the proverbial universal church. It's not about joining a church. It's about joining the kingdom. If you've walked in this place and you don't have a relationship with Jesus right now, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, I would like one? Anybody in this room? I don't. Thank you. 